Aloha, everyone. It's Dr. Lisa Hartwell. Welcome to Anxiety Ease, the show that reveals a calm mind is an organized mind, and an organized mind is a calm mind. We'll make it fun and inspirational with a bit of learning the neuroscience and the real reason some of us keep pushing on professionally, good or bad, at the expense of leading life with inner peace. This is the Anxiety Ease Podcast. Today's episode is rewiring our neurons with our soul's grace. I love this topic and I can't wait to share with you about why tips, tricks, and advice don't necessarily always work in the long term. We'll see you on the inside. Aloha, everyone. Welcome to episode five, rewiring our neurons with our soul's grace. I'm excited about this topic. Um, This is really the core and the crux of the balance of all of this brain nerd stuff that I do all the time. (laughs) So I love talking about soul's grace. You know, one of the things that I always say is no matter how many tips, tricks, and advice that you can get anywhere, there is so much that you could just Google on either high-functioning anxiety as well as clinical anxiety. Um, there's no amount of tip, tips, tricks, and advice that you could use that's gonna, that's going to commit to long-term change. It isn't until you start rewiring your neurons at the basic core of biology that's the behind the scenes of what's happening in your growth management. Even though... It is, it would be nice, I should say, it would be nice to feel good along the way. Now, what I hope for is that it can just be done with more ease. And the goal really is pairing this concept of ease with high-functioning anxiety together. So when you have your high-functioning anxiety cycling around, that you recognize that temporary fight, flight, or freeze response, but you have an ease about you, a calm about you, because you know it's there and you now know how to respond that's particular to you. So the problem with most of the intervention tips and tricks and advice out there is it's so general and global that it's not tailored to you specifically. So you either have to figure that on your own or like I've mentioned before, getting some help with that. But the idea behind this episode with, along with that neuron rewiring, along with that, is there something operating behind the scenes? And I like to refer to it as our soul's grace. And when we think about even just the basic definition of grace, some of the definitions that I found, what I, what I find curious about them is they're all in relation to the other. So they're all very relational. And at at its core, when you think about grace, it comes about learning about forgiveness so you can move on, whether that be for yourself or for another person. And when you think about grace as a definition, such as, you know, just a simple elegance, such as watching the grace of a ballet dancer, 
the refinement of that movement. In other words, she moved through the water with effortless, effortless grace or moved across the stage with effortless grace versus courteous goodwill, which is at least he had the grace to admit his debt to her or his wrongdoing. Or another one would be to do honor or credit someone or something just by one's presence, which is she bowed out from the sport she had graced for two decades. And hear people saying, I hung up my shoes, I'm I'm done, but I'm doing it with grace. And when I think about that, I always think about that, you know, grace is going out of your way to give compassion and kindness and love to someone, even they might not appreciate it or even know about it or even return the favor. But let's take that a step further and let's apply that to you. Self-grace comes from learning grace from others. This is really consistent with the social emotional model that I teach in my book, Bad Apples. And in that, at some point, we learn trust, we learn connection, we learn respect, we learn love as a reciprocity from others. But at some point in our development, we learn how to manage grace for ourselves. So what does that mean? That means at some point when you've had your high-functioning anxiety cycling around in your life, at some point you want to afford your personal experience with anxiety grace. You want to be able to have compassion and kindness and sending that anxiety, that, that deep core sense of your brain's desire to protect you. That's really what it's all about. And, 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 and giving it the feedback loop that you got this. And because you're a human being and because you can make some choices that allows you to perceive and react and be activated by your anxiety, but being able to live alongside with it is really that core piece bubbling up from your soul which affords yourself grace. And when you're able to do that, that's when the shifts in your life truly begin happening because you're free. You just have this freedom that you're highly aware that there's going to be times in your life when you have high-functioning anxiety that rears up in your life. But now you have this, this mastery over it. And when you have this mastery over it, that just makes your soul so settled, so happy, and so peaceful. And the the trick is understanding that none of this is done without practice. It isn't like you just sort of wake up one day and have a prayerful moment and you afford yourself some compassion and kindness and love to this anxiety that's been driving you insane for the last, um, you know, however long you've been dealing with it. It's not, it doesn't work that way. It's a, this daily practice management of understanding how you're going to change this relationship with your, with your high functioning anxiety. You might ask, well, how do I do that? Right? Well, you know, one of the ideas that I have is, is, the, in the very beginning, I talked about in the fr um, first introductory episode of, you know, just being still. 
when you're still and in this calmness is when you can actually listen to what your soul's desire is and your soul's grace for you. And that can look like many things. Being still doesn't necessarily mean uh, becoming a monk and sitting quietly with your legs crossed in the lotus position. (laughs) Being still is just being quiet, is just quieting the mind. Being still for me is walking on the beach. Being still for me is being in the ocean. Being still for me is putting on some of the most beautiful music that I enjoy. Being still for me is, is snuggling with my dog. He's still a puppy, but <laughs> so he doesn't stay still very long, but being still with Mr. Teddy. Any of those pieces, being still for me might just be sitting with a friend and just watching the sunset. Being still for me might even be just sitting with my son in the same room and neither one of us are really talking. We're just being. So those are some examples of how does being still work for you that you can actually spend some time on this neuron pathway that you're going to start building that leads to having self-grace through compassion, kindness, and love for whatever your soul's desire is for you. And I can guarantee you when you pair this together with ease, your high-functioning anxiety will be much more manageable as far as your growth management in the end. So I'd love to hear your comments on this one. This was um, something that is parallel with what I do every day with people and with myself. And I hope you have some ideas in which you can integrate self-grace into your life. And I would love to hear back from you either in the comments or uh, send me a message and let me know how it's going for you. Have a wonderful day. The Anxiety East Show will be back with a very special mini five-part series where I was a guest on Hi, I'm Anxious with Katie Dahl. And this is the first episode is going to be about three steps to manage high-functioning anxiety. Until then, ahoy ho, take good care of yourself and each other.